In episode seven of Adapt Within Digital Podcast, I spoke to head of ad tech at IAB UK, Tina Lucani, and our own conversion and analytics director, Ryan Webb, to answer all the questions you guys submitted during our recent third party cookies webinar. Since we recorded this podcast, there's been a bit of breaking cookie news from Google. This doesn't really change any of the facts uh, that we've talked about across various blog posts, uh, our white paper and and our webinar. But it does shift the timeline just a little bit, doesn't it, Ryan? That's right. Yeah, I recommend that anyone who's interested in this has a look at the Google Chrome blog announcement that went out in late June. And uh, on the 24th of June, it was posted. And yeah, it's all about pushing deadlines back or explaining more about the timings, really. So everything we say in this upcoming podcast, everything that we've written about previously and covered in webinars, all still stands. It's just effectively that Google explaining that nothing's going to change overnight next year. What's going to happen is there's going to be a period after the initial kind of time frame that they've they've set. So from late 2022, there's going to be nine months where publishers and advertisers can start to test and migrate their services over to the new solutions. And then from mid-2023, that's when they're going to start phasing out cookies. And they say that's when they're going to start phasing out third-party cookies as well. So it's an extended period, basically, to allow all these tests and trials to go through. Nothing changes. Everything we've said is still valid. And if you do listen to this podcast and the webinar that we've run previously, you'll notice that we keep talking about how the most vulnerable publishers and websites are on the open web outside of Google's ecosystem. And if we take their word for it, then they're giving this extra time and doing this nice and slowly to make sure that it is fair and that those websites that are independent and effectively more vulnerable have time to adapt. So let's give them some credit for that. I'm joined by Tina Lakani, Head of AdTech at IAB UK, as well as our own Conversion and Analytics Director, Ryan Webb. Today's is a bit of a special episode of Within Digital, as we'll be using it to answer the questions we received during our How to Prepare for Life After Third Party Cookies webinar earlier in June. If you haven't watched that webinar, the easiest places to find it are directly on our YouTube channel or on the ADAPT LinkedIn page. But before we jump into those questions, Tina, for those listening who don't know, would you like to give us a sort of brief intro to yourself in the IAB? Hi, I'm Tina Lakani. I'm head of ad tech at IAB UK. IAB are the trade body for digital advertising in the UK, and we have members from across the industry, so from publishers all the way through to advertisers and all the technology companies in between. Uh, and we work together to bring the industry together to talk about and address the biggest challenges that the industry faces. Great. Um, and uh, thanks again for, for joining us for this. And thanks for your time last week on our webinar. So I was going to ask Ryan, our sort of in-house third party cookies expert, to introduce the topic of third party cookies. But I think there's quite a lot of info about what's going on and, and how you should prepare for the end of our favorite little trackers all over the ADAPT website. So I think if you want a good introduction to the topic, I would just head there and sort of click on the insights tab. You're basically sick of me talking about cookies, aren't you, Nick? That's absolutely. Yeah, I've, every time I just get it just makes me hungry every time, Ryan. <laughs> so I think it's best we just save everyone's time and jump straight into the questions. Tina, this this might be one for you to kick off with. Actually, how do you feel about the fact that browsers have said that they won't support user enabled IDs? 
Yeah, that's uh, an interesting question. I have to be honest, I, I'm not sure entirely uh, what uh, news story that this person is referring to. From my understanding, I know there was a uh, announcement from Google in March that caused a bit of confusion in market where Google said that they would not be supporting user-enabled IDs within their products. That announcement was specifically from the Google ad products, um, which Chrome is not considered a part of. The announcement that came from Google was more around that they will not be supporting user-enabled ID solutions within their, their ad stack, uh, but not within the browser themselves. Um, I think on the on the point around browsers not supporting user-enabled IDs, I think there's that's obviously from my knowledge, is not a place that we're not a state that we're at right now. But actually, to prevent us getting to that stage, it's really important the work that we do now. So, you know, think looking at the solutions that we embed and making sure that we make it really clear to users about the value exchange and and also being really respectful of their privacy and choice preferences and being uh, holding our, ourselves accountable to them. It's not a state that we are at now, from my knowledge, but I think that building accountability within our ecosystem is really important at this stage to prevent us getting to that stage at a later date. Well, I totally agree with Tina. I think that it, it, interestingly, that sort of that view shows the dominance that Google do have because it's not just about their ad platforms. Um, it's also about Chrome in terms of their footprint and their market dominance. But actually, what they've said is is in relation to their ad products. So. The, you know, if they were to do something where they were actually to block user-enabled IDs within Chrome itself, then that's preventing any kind of solutions to third-party cookies as well, in effect. And subsequently, you've got this whole conflict with, you know, competitiveness as well in terms of what other people other than Chrome, um, other than Google within Chrome can do. And I think we'll come on to that competitive question a bit later as well. I'll just then build on my, my answer a little bit there, actually. So following that announcement in March that Google made, there was a lot of stare in the market because uh, should this have extended to the Chrome browser, then it would have been a, a quite a challenge for the industry, uh, especially with all the progress and work that had been done in user-enabled ID solutions. And when we spoke to our members kind of as a, as like a reaction to find out what their thoughts and feedback were on this topic is that actually, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of these solutions weren't uh, necessarily expecting Google to adopt their solutions within their ad platform anyway. So it didn't really disrupt too much work or progress that they were expecting to make in this area. And the second thing that I thought was really uh, interesting and, and, and a really important point that came out of those discussions is that these providers really wanted to emphasize that actually, you know, the changes that are being made are in the name of privacy and consumer choice. And, and therefore, as long as solutions that come about enable users to opt into having their data shared and have the ability to opt out should they choose to change their mind at a later date, then actually uh, those solutions are acting in a privacy compliant way and therefore should be solutions that are accepted and adopted by the industry because ultimately there isn't a problem with tracking that's not the problem it's just the it's tracking with consent essentially and as long as a system enables that then there's nothing wrong in what those solutions are doing one of the things i've seen written a lot about all of this is that there's you know, things about data gaps and sales gaps and revenue gaps and all this lots of gaps that need bridging should i be planning for a sales revenue gap as a result of all this or are the solutions robust enough in, in terms of all the gaps that are going to be there i mean all of them are, the solutions are being developed all the time at the moment to try and close as many of those gaps as possible but if we, we can kind of make assumptions as to where most of the gaps will end up being and i don't think the sales revenue gap is where we need to 
have any particular concern. If you think about the likes of Facebook and Google, they're already rolling out solutions, server-side solutions, so such as the conversions API from Facebook or enhanced conversion tracking from Google. So there are these sort of conversion tracking solutions already rolling out, which don't require, don't have as much dependence on third-party cookies. And those platforms need to track those sales ultimately, otherwise they're, they're going to lose ad revenue from the advertisers themselves. So that's where their focus will be. So I don't have any concerns really about any gaps there. I think we're more likely to see gaps is further up the funnel and this sort of age-old challenge of trying to do attribution modeling and seeing where all the touch points are on that sales journey through to that ultimate sale. Essentially, third-party cookies have been quite essential for seeing all those touch points along that journey. And so that's where the potential weakness is with, with the solutions to that. Like Tina says, as long as we've got permission and as long as these solutions come along, then we'll be able to plug some of those gaps and, and see lots of those touch points. But otherwise, the gaps there will be filled with modeling solutions. So you know, there's lots of different cool modeling solutions being developed, especially again by those ad tech platforms, but by others as well, so that we can use the data that we do have to fill those gaps you know, using smart AI and uh, machine learning. So all those gaps will be filled, I think, in different ways. But where we don't need to worry is with sales ad revenue, uh, sales revenue, sorry, but it's maybe maybe further, further up the funnel, it will be a bit more complicated to fill the gap. One thing that's really important for for us to all remember in all of this is that the changes to third party cookies is very specific to our industry, right? Like, you know, we, we are the, the industry that understands the changes that are coming. But really speaking, this is not a, that doesn't have a direct impact on the consumer's demand for, for internet services. So valuable audiences are still going to be online, regardless of whether we can track them and target them in the same ways that we have previously. Those audiences are still going to be online. It's just the way that we track and measure them that's going to change. So it's a case of right now, you know, learning the ways to uh, target and track your, your audiences in the future. Where I would see a sales gap revenue is just in this testing phase, like of where uh, you know, there is a cost to, to testing. There is a cost of uh, implementing these solutions and finding out what works for you. I think there is in the short term, there will be some heavier investment that needs to be made to prepare for the changes. Uh, but in the long term, I think that we can we can bridge those gaps in, in ways that Ryan was saying as well. Good news. So staying on the, on the, on the topic of, of measurement and tracking and the importance of it, do you guys have any uh, recommendations on what we can do measurement wise? Uh, when it comes to checking the success of campaigns and Google Analytics tracking and so on. We'll try and keep this answer succinct because we've got loads of content that we've put out already that people can read to go into a bit more in depth but i would say some really quick tips from my side would be to implement ga4 so for those for any clients using google analytics get google analytics the new version up and running alongside your existing version because that's got loads of cool measurement solutions within it which will help plug some of those gaps uh, in the future they're all still being developed and, and worked on but do that think about media mix modeling so kind of try and think less about attribution modeling which is becoming more and more difficult and think more about media mix modeling and seeing how channels interrelate with one another and measuring them as a, as a sort of channel as an entirety or, or clusters of activity and also go back to good old control test and learn i think as well as another nice nice thing to think about not as your ultimate one one and only solution but it's always been a valid way of testing the impact of campaigns is to test the, the level of things going up or down and, and and then you can see the impact on other channels so i think we think about control test and learn as well yeah that's a, a great answer I, I think it's, it's also a great question because in this conversation of uh, third party cookies, I, I do often find that we the conversations are always talked about solutions for targeting. And really speaking, I think it's because it's the easier challenge to solve for. Like measurement is definitely one of the areas where I've seen less conversation being had. But Ryan, I think those are really great uh, pieces of advice. I, I think the other thing to just say is around it is 
again, looking away from, from attribution and looking at the bigger picture. So looking at uh, econometrics modeling, for example, and, and using that to, to find where, where sales are coming from. There's the mixed model marketing measure model, measurement models. We, as IAB UK, uh, a couple of years ago, launched a measurement toolkit, um, which is available at our website, and it's uh, free for everyone to download. It's, it's at ibuk.com forward slash measurement uh, and within that uh, there are a list of uh, measurement solutions that are used within uh, marketing today uh, a number of which will still be available in the post uh, third party cookie era great and also just a quick shout out to the adapt zone john boone for the great google analytics content he's recently recently written on the website comparing google analytics for with universal analytics and you know how you can I think he's actually written a guide about how just quickly how to set up Google Analytics 4 and run it alongside Universal Analytics. So head over there if you want any sort of advice on that. I think this one might be one for you, Ryan. In fact, I know you've already written an answer to this because we talked about it yesterday. So how will the phasing out of cookies affect marketers who manage global digital content in multiple languages? Okay, so I think this is probably coming now that that we work as part of a global group who are doing lots of translation and um, localization work for lots of clients as well. So I know that we're reaching lots of people who've got that, those kind of concerns about multiple languages, multiple markets globally. So I think the first thing to say really is that it doesn't directly impact upon the language Chrome itself, we're talking about Chrome mainly here in terms of what's happening next year. Chrome is a global browser. It's universal, the changes that are coming. So it's just going to, it's essentially in that way, it's it's very fair. You know, it's affecting everybody equally. If you think about it like, like that. So the struggle is, you know, the struggle is for all of us. And I think my understanding is that actual translation tools and uh, localization platforms that run through content management systems, et cetera, to translate lots of that content. They're using first-party cookies, if any cookies at all. So they may have slightly more advanced issues to deal with in the future when we can expect first-party cookies to probably be dealt with at some point as well. But there's no urgency with that. So I think, uh, yeah, so no immediate urgency, but just keep an eye on it the same as everybody else because it's going to affect us all. Are there any particular verticals or types of business that should be particularly concerned about the changes coming to, to third-party cookies and, and privacy in general? I think, as, as Ryan said, we're all being affected uh, equally. Like, I think I think all businesses are being being impacted within the digital advertising space. I'd say that some of the areas where, where I see what will be, like, a greater challenge is, is, in, is amongst verticals where the advertiser has less of a direct relationship with the consumer that they're trying to target, and they're no longer able to, uh, or they don't have any ability to capture first-party data that will enable them to recognise and target their users in, in a post third-party cookie era and so you know things things like within fmcg for example often that the companies themselves don't have direct relationships with the consumers but then also some of the industries that would be most prepared for the changes that are coming are the likes of supermarkets for example where they have things like nectar cards or loyalty schemes where they have you know really rich data segments on their their users so for me i would say that the verticals most affected are those that uh, don't have a direct relationship with their consumer uh, but it's a real opportunity to to try to start to build that as well like thinking about the ways that you can uh you can build that relationship with your consumer and uh and and, and drive strategies on your website to build out kind of depth and and width of data to, to have first party data to target audiences yeah i think it's fair to say that the businesses that haven't done much with first party data in the, in the past possibly should be looking at that now and in the future maybe there are some trends with verticals but yeah it's businesses who uh, we, one of our recommendations is that people, should, businesses should do an audit to see how much of their ad activity is reliant on third-party cookies now. 
So it's businesses that are heavily reliant on third-party cookies to do the ad activity that they're currently running. And like Tina said, if they're if they're massively reliant on those third-party cookies because they haven't got a direct relationship, a first-party relationship with the audience, if they've got a long lead time from sort of when they initially expose people to their ads through to them take the action they want at the end of the funnel, that sort of longer journey is going to be potentially slightly more challenging to track. Um, yeah, basically that sort of over-reliant on, on third-party cookies to do things like serving retargeting creative, sort of uninspiring stuff that's the reason why third-party cookies are being written off basically is because of this stuff that's not particularly inspiring or, or particularly clever. So people who haven't really progressed their ad activity for, for a while. If you're doing Google ad, search only PPC activity, you don't really need to worry too much because Google's going to just provide you with a new solution you can plug into. But if you're doing you know, broader, more wider open web activity and relying on third-party cookies, you need to you need to have a plan. There was a skeptic in the audience somewhere. They asked, are, are these changes really the result of a desire for a more private, secure future? I think perhaps putting um, Google and Amazon, etc., sort of firmly in their sights with that one. It's an interesting question. I'm sure lots of people, uh, lots of people have thought the same thing. From my side, I really do see the changes as being an opportunity for us and and uh, being quite positive because, uh, you know, third party cookies were not the most efficient technology uh, even before. So I think there was some data um, that suggested that um, with a third party cookie, we were only ever able to recognize a, a user 27% of the time. And, and I do really see how third-party cookies enabled companies who you had you know, no relationship with or knowledge of to quite like, more easily be able to set a cookie in and collect data on you. What was the original stem of the issue? From my side, I, I do see it being, it genuinely probably was privacy, but at the same time, the changes that are coming are helping to, to drive more privacy and accountability within our industry. It's anyone that's worked in this industry does know that data for a long time was being collected by parties that we didn't know and was being sold and bucketed and categorized and resold again. Like I think that there was issues with the third party cookie and the future does bring more privacy and security to the future Internet. I can't I try not to give too philosophical an answer, but the original I'm sure the original intention was very, you know, especially the original you know challenge of the use of third party cookies by a regulator or you know whoever different privacy groups that have been questioning uses of it that's definitely they've got the right you know motivation behind it but then the knock on consequences of that chain of events who you know who knows what all the people involved their intentions are i think it's so difficult to deconstruct that that you know i'm not going to stand here and give an answer to say that google is or isn't evil you know I think it's <laughs> the world's less black and white than that a big and dangerous question <laughs> <laughs> looking beyond that this could be quite a big question as well i'm not sure how easy it is to answer you guys got your crystal balls at the ready so looking beyond third-party cookies and their direct impact what we're talking about now what do you think will be the next story uh, the next big story in, in privacy and data protection what's what's going next yeah it's, it's a really um, interesting question and uh, one that i've actually spoken to our regulatory affairs department about it is a good question and, and one that lots of people have thought and and actually the feedback i got and i thought was really a really good point is that we shouldn't be trying to look for the next big story this is a big change that's happening in the name of privacy and it's not a phase and, and really our systems should be built to make sure that we have met the needs and objectives of what these regulations and changes are coming for this question uh, you mentioned around third-party cookies specifically i mean you know one thing that i can say is that the conversation 
innovation now seems to be stemming broader than just the web environment. So we're seeing changes coming in apps. So looking at uh, maids and the IDFA and uh, you know perhaps even the the IFA within the CTV environment. So perhaps you know there's a similar story uh, and similar conversation to be had in all the environments that we work with. But broadly and and to what I think this question uh, was trying to intend is beyond that what the, what there is. And I don't think that we should be trying to look beyond that we should be really trying to make sure that we've done everything that we can within this story and putting privacy at the center of everything that we do to kind of build on that a little bit i think part of the reason it's very difficult to look beyond that as well is because there's this is not going to just be all done and dusted by beginning of next year when google does something in chrome this is going to rumble on it'll be solutions will evolve challenges will happen you know this is a revolve over the next few years mm -hmm. i think the next thing that's going to happen in this area is something different related to this most likely to give a slightly dull answer but if you want my more personal opinion i think where the major conflict comes is actually around competition and this is where it's really interesting that this clamp down on third-party cookies actually affects sort of the more independent if you like for want of a better word people you know businesses that exist on the web and plays into the hands of the likes of facebook and google and it allows them really to build up their walled gardens because they've got this first party data so there's this conflict for people who've got all good intentions but you're pushing on one side to say you must be more secure have a more privacy first future and then what happens is on the other side it pops out and it's anti-competitive and then there's people on the other side pushing back in against the competitive nature of it and saying you've got to be open these things up and let people do compete with you more easily and then that pops out the other side so as i'm i'm kept regularly informed now by one of the guys a shout out to sam on my team who was a, a politics graduate so he's got his one eye on what's going on in the us in congress and stuff and he's shared some content with me about some of the latest antitrust bipartisan bills that are trying to be go through in the us and that's a massively complex area as well, where they're trying to squeeze Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon from a competition perspective. So you've got competition and privacy kind of like colliding in the middle somewhere and fascinating. But I really couldn't predict what's going <laughs> to burst out the middle of that collision. <laughs> no doubt. Looking at my watch, uh, we've overrun slightly. So I'm, I'm going to say thank you to you both. It's been a pleasure again to listen to you both talk about third-party problems and privacy and data, etc. Et and I hope that that's answered any of these questions adequately, not more than adequately. Just And just a quick reminder, if you haven't watched the How to Prepare for Life After Third-Party Cookies webinar, starring both Tina and Ryan, you can catch it on the Adapt YouTube channel. And there's also a white paper guide to the topic written by Ryan himself, which will be available on the Insights section of the Adapt website. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Bye-bye.